Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Alex Ardenti, the producer and director of the SUPS documentary. How are you today, Alex? Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being with me today. You know, uh, Italian immigrant to Australia and now in the United States making movies about supplements and bodybuilding. How does that all come about? Well, uh, it didn't start out that way. You know, I came over from Italy, uh, you know, wanting to be Mr. Linka like every other Italian or European bodybuilder in the 80s. Uh, that didn't exactly work out. So I started photography and uh, immediately started working for all the bodybuilding magazines. And that career lasted around 20 years. Then something called the Internet came along and people stopped buying magazines. Uh, so... Uh, that profession gradually decreased. So uh, my my first passion was really filmmaking anyway. So I kind of got sidetracked with the fitness photography, working for Muscle Fitness and Flex and Muscle Mag. Um, so when that um, the sales started dwindling with all the magazines and I was getting books less and less editorially, uh, I decided to start doing uh, documentaries. Um, so that brought me to Subs the Movie, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, was just released uh, two months ago. And it's out now on Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, go check it out. And if not, it's X amount of dollars right now that you could uh, you can rent it on Amazon Prime. So it should be an enjoyable documentary for anyone interested in the fitness industry. I hope so. I hope so. It's not um, it's not a documentary on vitamins. I want to explain right. that to the general public. Uh, it's not about vitamin C or the effect of vitamin D. <laughs> Uh, it's it's specifically um, about sports supplements. So mm-hmm. we're talking creatine, pre-workout, isolate, uh, how how the whole industry originated, you know, from the 50s and 60s to today. Right. You know, because, I mean, there's GNC, there's uh, Vitamin World, there's the Vitamin Shop, there's a million supplement shops all over the place. This is a multi-billion dollar industry. Oh, if, if we're just talking about sports supplements, it's forty billion just just sports supplements, and that's not including, like I said, you know, the vitamin C's, the multivitamins, or the um, you know the weight loss categories. Um, this is sports supplements. So again, we're talking the creatine and, and the protein powders. Right. And several years ago, there was a documentary called um, "Bigger, Stronger, Faster," and they were talking about steroid usage, and they were talking about um, the supplement industry having been so unregulated that you could put basically whatever in there and you know once it was caught by somebody all they did was just change the label and change the manufacturer uh how has the industry changed say within the last 10 years in comparison with regulation of supplements well the regulation has always been in place for decades now it's just the enforcement that is is uh the challenge um, you know, if, if you're making something in your kitchen or bathroom and trying to sell it on, online or uh, even a store shelf, <clears throat> that's a criminal activity, you know, and anyone can do that with, you know, cookies and put poison in there, and there's probably somewhere somebody that will buy those cookies. So um, as the legislation is there, uh, every CGMP lab is regulated by the FDA. They just show up, knock on your door, they shut your whole place down, and for two to three days, they go through every single book, everything. Now, how many agents does the FDA have to send out to the what twelve hundred different labs there are in in the United States? That that that's the issue. So the legislation's in place; it's the enforcement that is the challenge. Okay, because uh, you know you hear a lot of uh, MMA fighters talking about tainted supplements. Oh well, I took this and this was tainted, and you know steroids showed yeah. up in this tainted supplement. This was a creatine from China that that was X Y Z. 
you know, what's your take on something like that since you've been in the yep. bodybuilding industry? Personally, just the chances of you going to uh, a reputable chain like Vitamin Shop or GNC, getting a supplement that has any kind of drug in it, I, I'm not saying it's impossible, but just for someone who's been around the game for 40 years, I would say it's highly improbable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't have that much information on <clears throat> how they got caught, what was in there, what they took or didn't take. So I'm just guessing. I, I really doubt it, any kind of drug or hormone would would enter a shelf of of a reputable store now online's a different business i mean that's just a whole different that's the wild wild west online if it's not a bodybuilding.com or a gnc.com um you know buyer beware there's there's a lot of there's this crazy stuff online so i would just buy from a reputable source that's what we can do as consumers to protect us Right. And, you know, your documentary goes back all the way to the 50s when Joe Weider basically started the industry. Um, uh, a little before that. Um, you know, the amino acids were probably discovered in 1890, I think. But it wasn't until the 40s and 50s a uh, young man named Rio Blair uh, decided to take Ovaltine, private label it, and made it a protein powder. Uh, it was a higher grade protein powder, and it was the very first one of its kind. Uh, he moved out to California, started giving it to all the movie stars, and then bodybuilders caught on, and it kind of started from from him in the 40, I'd say early 50s. Mm-hmm. Then Joe Weider saw how much um, he was making, how much he was selling, and how much the athletes absolutely loved taking these protein shakes, right? Mm-hmm. So he developed Weider Nutrition. He had the platform, he had Muscle Builder, he had the magazine that was kind of like the internet of the time. He He controlled all the information about bodybuilding to the world. So once he started developing his own line, he just added that, you know, that weeder razzmatazz and with all the great ads. And that really, that was, that was the really the beginning of the sports supplement industry. Right. And then, you know, uh, we had uh, metrics. We had WWE even had World Bodybuilding Federation created IcoPro and all these right. various uh protein powders that have come out, weight gainers, mass gainers, fat loss pills, you know, how do you start, you know, going through all this stuff and figuring out what's legit, what isn't, and what needs to fit in this documentary? Because, you know, you only have, what, 80 hours of footage that you got to trim down to 90 minutes to two hours. Oh, I have more than 80 hours of footage, I can guarantee you that. <laughs> my first cut was three and a half hours, and my agent said, no one's going to watch a three and a half hour documentary, so I, I brought it down to two hours. Only if you show it uh, at Olympia. Not, I, I, get email, <laughs> I get emails saying, I wish it was longer, which is kind of astonishing. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I, I focus more on the legacy brands, you know, the cool and sexy brands like the EAS, when that came out, that was revolutionary. Then mm-hmm. Metrics came out, and that, that took the whole industry by storm. So there's a lot of Weeder, Twin Lab, which is, you know, really innovative, EAS metrics. So I didn't get into all the smaller, you know, bigger brands that just came out recently. Right. Um, and everyone seems to like that nostalgia anyway from the 80s and 90s because most of us, you know, we're on 55. I don't know how old you are, but a lot of people started in the 80s, 90s. And and they just love those those old legacy brands, so to speak. Right. I'm I'm 41, so I remember, you know, the peak of bodybuilding when Flex Wheeler was, was starting out and Frigno right. wanted to make a comeback in the early 90s in his 40s and just seeing all these guys, you know, Dorian Yates was the first guy with major mass that sure. just started taking over. Um, 
you know, with bodybuilding itself, you know, now we see growth hormone and we see insulin playing a big part and it's ruined the aesthetic of bodybuilding. But, you know, these guys are also sponsored by some of these major uh, protein powder companies and fat burners and, and whatever else. And you mentioned Twin Labs, you know, at some point you become a walking pharmacy, don't you, with taking all these supplements? Well, personally, I think the introduction of, uh, or let's say the discovery uh, by bodybuilders of insulin and growth hormone is really what is ruined the sport, apart from the obvious health reasons, just aesthetically. Um, you know, using those two hormones together undoubtedly just increases the volume of your intestines. Mm-hmm. So you can have 0% body fat, and but your belly is pushed out by the intestines and, you know, add to the... To, to that situation, you know, them eating every hour or two hours, your intestines are continuously working. They're exercising. They're getting bigger and thicker. There's an actual um, hypertrophy. So that's what's ruining the study of the waistline. And when I started, the whole goal was to have wide shoulders and a small waist. Right. So even if you were skinny but you had a V-shape, I mean, girls like it, guys admired it. That was the thing to have. It was very much so the Frank Sane look, right? Exactly. So yeah. we all wanted to be Frank Zane. Then the bigger guys said, well, I want to be Frank Zane, but a little bigger. Mm-hmm. But he still had that whole classic look. And that's just, I think that's just biology. I mean, a hunter doesn't have, you know, narrow shoulders and a really big fat belly, you know, walking around tubby looking. He looks athletic. So regardless of the size, mm-hmm. that shape should always stay consistent. Just try to get that V-shaper, um, that V-shaper. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot the oh. question I got off on. Oh, no, because um, I was saying, you know, because insulin and, and growth hormone have played a right. part of this. But, you know, yeah. at some point, these guys are also taking protein shakes. They're also taking, right. you know, fat burners and all these other supplements that are out there that, you know, you become a walking pharmacy at some point. Um, well, if you're taking natural, you know, supplements, you're not a pharmacy. Creatine exists in a steak or chicken or fish. So just taking the powder form is not a pharmaceutical it's made in a lab because it has to be pure without contaminants. Um, but, you know, creatine is not a pharmaceutical. You know, whey protein isolate comes from milk. It's not a pharmaceutical. Um, the big problem is not how many supplements they're taking. It's all the other compounds um, that, that they're taking that ruins the physique and is, is horrible for your health, first of all. Makes sense. No, because, you know, you just see that that stuff going on and then, you know, I mean, I have a friend who's a diabetic who's also a power lifter, and, you know, people hmm. see him, he's a type 1 diabetic, so they'll see him okay. shooting his insulin, and they look at him, and he's like, no, I'm an actual diabetic. They have the medical <laughs> oh record God. to prove that right. I'm a diabetic. Right. He needs it, of course. Right. Of course. You know, that's uh, Angelo Augustine. He's on our staff, and I think he just won California, you know, California Powerlifting Championship a couple of months ago. Sure. And so... Well, insulin is the most anabolic hormone, you know, that, that we have in our body, you know. Um, if you need it, of course you have to take it. Right. If you don't, you're just uh, you're asking for trouble with your pancreas, in right. my opinion. Right. And a lot of people have developed diabetes because of that. Probably, probably. Yeah. I I don't know anybody who came out and actually admitted that, but I'm sure it's happened. Yeah. Um, with the supplement industry continuously growing, and there's new products on the shelf every day. You now being, I mean, obviously you're a fitness expert because you've been do- doing this for forty plus years. But the fact that, you know, you've made this documentary, you have all this research, how do you decipher what product is good, what product isn't, you know, what 
should people be taking the recommended dosage? Is it actually worth it? Or do you take half the recommended dosage? Like, you know, what, what did you find in, in your research of all this, especially with not being able to regulate it as much as the FDA should or could? Right. Well, again, you have to buy from a brand that, um, that is reputable and has some kind of, um, established presence in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, larger, you know, the smaller brands that might put less protein than what they say on the label are not going to, you know, advertise in major outlets or they're not going to do the Arnold Classic Expo or the Olympia Expo. Um, when you go to one of the trade shows and you meet the CEO, Chances are he's not trying to rip you off and putting a little less vitamin C in, in his multivitamin. That's that usually I haven't seen that to be the case. Um, when you know new companies sprout up and they don't want to give you analysis of what's in their product, that's a red flag to me. So um, again, it's buyer beware, and I can't really give you an exact um, trail to to follow. Um, one thing that I really I really, it was confirmed when I was doing the research that you really need to be as educated as possible. Mm-hmm. So you need to know the difference between, say, a protein concentrate and a protein isolate. Mm-hmm. A concentrate has the carbohydrates, so if you're trying to lose fat, just taking the protein, that extra sugar might not help your endeavor of losing body fat. Whereas in, you, now you're educated to the point where you know that the isolate doesn't have the carbs, doesn't have the lactose, it won't bloat you. So you know to switch to the isolate in that case. And it just comes down to a matter of um, education, just trying to go on, you know, reputable sites like maybe bodybuilding.com or other websites and, um, and talking to experts. There's a lot of great experts out there, Rehan Jalali, Dr. Chris Lockwood, uh, Dr. Golini. Um, you look at them, you know, they have social media, they answer questions. Just find that one person who's knowledgeable and that you trust and you can act, ask a direct question and you'll get an answer. Um, I, if I was starting out, that's what I would do. I would find one of these people. And they're all in my documentary. There's five or six um, very, very good experts that are very knowledgeable. And they're not trying to sell you product. They, they were knowledgeable before they started making the product. So. You know, the marketing just usually gets set aside, and if you ask them a, a direct question what you should be taking for your physique, they will probably give you an honest answer. And what was something that you learned in the documentary that you were surprised to find out about the supplement industry? Uh, I didn't realize it was so recent. I mean, really, before 1940s, people were just like eating steak and eggs and potatoes, you know, and they didn't really know. A lot of a lot of those guys didn't really know the difference between where does protein come from, what's protein, what's carbs. They knew, you know, candy and sugar was bad and steak was good, but it, it was it was pretty rudimental and primitive, you know, and, and until these brands came out and started doing articles on supplements, mm-hmm. um, sports nutrition was, was kind of inexistent, you know, um, I mean, you could go back to um, Hippocrates who figured out that, well, if we take whey out of milk, I give it to my athletes, and they seem to perform better. That's documented. Uh, but that kind of lot, kind of, it, it got lost in the Middle Ages and everything else. So um, it didn't resurface till I'd say, the 1940s or 50s. So it's a very, very, very young, very new industry. And what about for those of us that are lactose intolerant? Because, you know, I've, re- I've gotten bloated from taking whey protein, but there's right. these vegan proteins that are out there that don't cause the bloating that the whey one does. Right. Um, you know, again, you know, because you have to worry about the soy intake because there's so much estrogen in sure. soy. So 
That's counterproductive um, I towards men. Um, I always try the vegan protein, but a pure isolate should have zero or close to zero lactose. So <laughs> the reason why you are lactose intolerant, obviously, you know, is because you can't uh, digest the lactose, the milk sugar. <laughs> when you take that milk sugar out and all of that is remaining is pure protein, you really shouldn't have a problem with that. So a high-quality uh, isolate protein uh, would suit you best. Now, the problem is that they're very expensive. If it's a pure isolate, there's a whole process that they have to do to just extrapolate the protein and take out the lactose. Uh, so it is kind of pricey. You can't just use it like a whey concentrate or a slim fast. It, it's not that cheap. Uh, but try a whey isolate. Um, I, I think that would suit you best. Okay. You know, I mean, the industry is, is all over the place. There's so much stuff on the shelves. Like you said, it's a $40 billion industry just for protein powders and, you know, bodybuilding supplements alone, you know, creatine, et cetera. Um, you know, what do you use yourself? I mean, is there a specific brand or just a specific type or, because oh, you know, we're not, try- I mean, I'm not saying we're making advertisements for other people and going, oh, well, you yeah. know, Alex uses this. So if, obviously that's the one and everybody else seems neglected, but I'm just asking you personally. Right. Well, I'm in a very unique position. That company just send me boxes full of supplements, <laughs> uh, so I can. I actually, it's in a good. I'm in a good position because I can pick and choose. You know, I can't take everything they send me. Um, but I've, I've kind of, I've kind of dumb it down. I take the essentials. It's uh, as far as protein. I take the whey protein isolate. Maybe just one shake a day. You know, I don't take it five times a day or anything. Uh, at, you know, at 55, I just want to keep the muscle mass I have and just stay as lean as possible. Um, so the whey protein isolate for sure, creatine for sure in all its different forms. It can be HCL or just plain creatine monohydrate, which fortunately is dirt cheap and works very, very well. Uh, definitely increases performances. Over 2,000 studies, I think, just on creatine. Wow. So I take the creatine, the whey protein isolate, multivitamin, and, um, you know, I've been trying the probiotics. I, I can't tell you that I really see a big difference, but, you know, we just bombarded with this gut health, gut health, gut health. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I hope my gut's healthy. Let me take the probiotic. Uh, so I take that, and um, uh, I reduced the amount of branched-chain amino acids. I think that was um, keeping me gain weight. You know, when you ingest leucine, which is a very anabolic amino acid, it also spikes insulin. And since I intermittent fast now till 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock, uh, I don't take that amino acid, or do I take the BCAA? So I take them post-workout. So everything I eat and take mostly is post-workout. That's, okay. that's what's working for me right now. Okay. Yeah. We also hear this discussion, you know, a lot of people want to surpass or bypass the supplements and go back to, quote, natural foods, natural foods, natural foods. Yet. Mm-hmm. Our beef is being shot up with, with various steroids. Right. Our vegetables and fruits have tons of pesticides. All sorts of genetic modifications are being made to our foods. What's a natural food now? Well, that's the big question. I mean, I, I would absolutely love to not take supplements and just have, you know, steak, pasta, rice, and vegetables. But, you know, the vegetables that I that I buy at the store, uh, they're... They're, I don't want to say they're fake, but they taste different than... First of all, there's a big difference between what uh, we buy here in the United States and, say, Italy or Europe. Mm-hmm. And most people that come over to the States, they start eating fruit and vegetables, and they're like, this tastes like nothing. It's like cardboard. Mm-hmm. And there's a big difference. that In Italy, for example, 
everything's been pretty much organic since the 70s. You know, mm -hmm. that's just the way their agriculture is. When you buy a, a, a steak in an Italian supermarket, you know the date that the animal was slaughtered. You have the address of the slaughterhouse, which has wow. to be within a certain kilometer from that store. I mean, you can actually go there and visit, you know, and where they do it. Mm -hmm. So that that came in place in the 70s. I remember I was a little kid, and there was a big, there was a big controversy um, because some farmers started giving um, their cows antibiotics or no estrogens, mm -hmm. and that made you know primetime news. They changed the legislation, so the quality of food in Italy, I don't know about the rest of Europe, is far superior than America. Right now, just recently, we've seen the grass-fed, we've seen the, the cage-free, which is a great step in the right direction. I just hope the trend continues, and, you know, I'll gladly pay a little more if the, the quality of my meat is, is as natural as possible, and, my, you know, the eggs come from a chicken that was healthy. Uh, but again, you're right. What what is a real food? If it's real food from maybe 100, 200 years ago, where there was no industrialization, mm -hmm. I would just eat real food. Also, I wouldn't have to take creatine in a powder because there's enough in my salmon. There's enough in my steak or chicken. Uh, so that that's a big question. I just hope this trend continues to have better quality food. Right. Well, let's hope because I mean, you know, I've I've had tomatoes other places and I've had tomatoes here and. The tomatoes here seem bitter while they're actually fine know, everywhere right? else. <laughs> it's you amazing. know, they're sweet. So Exactly, yeah. exactly. When you decided to make the Sups movie, what you know, did you have you because know, everyone has an idea when making a movie or a documentary that this is the end goal. But sometimes, mm -hmm. especially with documentary making, the narrative has to change with new discoveries. Um, what was the original end goal and how much did that deviate from the information that you gathered uh it stayed the same you know i decided right away to make the the movie and and really talk about the history of the whole industry because no one has done that and uh, i started researching and i'd say after four or five days of constantly researching i couldn't find one single i couldn't even find a youtube video on how this whole industry started and there's documentaries on every industry we can think of from automotive to, to sailing to gardening to, to whatever but no one has really documented this progression so i thought as someone who's been working for most of the supplement companies under the sun you know doing their advertising and photography um a lot of it was lived firsthand by me uh so i i, I lived those moments I, I remember i mean i corrected spelling mistakes on the first bottle of hydroxycut while I was shooting it, you know. Wow. I remember when EAS came out, I did one of the first ads for metrics. <laughs> so I was there and I just, I wrote the treatment and I'd say half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it came out to like a three, four hour movie, like this is too much, I had to condense it. Um, you almost had so to turn I, it into I, a limited I, series. No, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, I wanted this to be a standalone, just to be my calling card, because, you know, um, in Hollywood, you can make a million commercials as a director and you're not considered a director, but once you do one documentary, one feature film, then they can call you a director, right? So okay. I thought, well, I, I know what I'm talking about at least, and I, I think I can make it fun and interesting. So um, that's why I decided to make it on, on supplements. Well, I know Legion Sports Fest is coming up um, next weekend in Long Beach, California, and there's, you know, Olympia just passed and all these other events, you know, Arnold Classics coming up uh, and, and whatnot. Do you have special screenings at these bodybuilding uh, competitions? 
Uh, no, right now, just um, I, I created the whole movie just to be watched uh, on, on streaming online. Where you know, I mean, I, myself, I, I watch the first part of a documentary on my phone, then I might switch to my computer, then I watch the rest at night. So, um, you know, a two-hour movie to sit down and watch, I'm not sure if it's really designed for that. I would have to cut it. Um, no, it, it's something that was created for the digital age, and hopefully, it'll it'll float around the digital universe for years online. And why should someone who isn't interested in fitness or who doesn't care about fitness or supplements pay attention to the documentary? Because I know you had somebody in the documentary, I forgot who it was, that said something to the extent of, you know, in order for it to be a drug, it has to have a minimum of like 100 side effects, but to be a supplement, there has to be zero side effects. Exactly. Yeah, so why should people pay attention to the documentary? And then fill me in a little bit more about that gentleman and what he was saying with that regard. Well, that's uh, Dr. Galini, who owns uh, EFX, the supplement brand. Uh, that's actually something that I learned because, you know, even, again, after 40 years in the industry, I, I, I did not know that was the distinction between a pharmaceutical and a dietary supplement. So, and if you think about it, it's right. I mean, we can't buy creatine. We wouldn't be able to buy creatine powder if that creatine gave us a severe side effect. You know, you'd have to um, note that. And as soon as you have a side effect for a supplement, um, that becomes a pharmaceutical. Um, basically, the bottom line is a dietary supplement is such if that compound exists in nature. So let's say we take uh, a vitamin C pill, chewable vitamin C tablet, we can sell that vitamin C to the general public without a prescription because vitamin C already exists in the food source. It's in our food. So all you're doing is extracting it from food and putting it in a powder, in a pill, in whatever you know transportation um, delivery system you, you, you want. Uh, it has to exist in nature. So the vitamin C that is in oranges now you can have in, in a chewable pill or the creatine that exists in uh, chicken breast you now have it in a powder. So it has to come from a food source. That's why it's a dietary supplement. It, it has to come from a food source. Mm -hmm. That's a big distinction. Yeah, I didn't realize that that was the distinction and then the whole side effect thing that if there's a side I know, effect with it. it's pretty basic, right? Yeah. <laughs> I never thought of that. It, okay, it's yeah, it's that amazing totally to see how that... Yeah, it's amazing to see how that develops, yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, that's, and I said, well, that's why I'm interviewing you because you're the authority. That's not Alex Ardenti's advice on supplement. That's why I, I asked, you know, the, the experts in the field and they explained it so, so basically and just, it just kind of shone light on, on the whole, on the whole industry. So it, it makes sense, you know, if it's exist, if it, it is in nature already, we can uh, repackage it and sell it and uh, make it a chocolate shake, for example, add the cocoa and sweeteners and, you have a yummy shake instead of, you know, eating the, the chicken and steak every day. Okay. I have to ask you this as a fitness expert and someone that has protein powder galore. Why do so many <laughs> of the chocolate shakes taste terrible? Oh, <laughs> gosh. Do they? I guess they do, right? Uh, they you all have this is? weird, like, chalky aftertaste. You know what it is? Because uh, <laughs> we think that the protein is just powdered milk, but it's not. Once you start extracting all, all the, the fats and sugars, what you're left with is a really, really bitter powder. It's mm -hmm. almost pure protein. There's no lactose. There's no anything in there. 
it's pure protein. But that pure protein, I've tasted it. It's nasty. Like, <laughs> I'm actually surprised they make it taste a little chocolatey. <laughs> um, so if you know what, if it's if it's a little bit or not quite uh, amazing, <laughs> you probably have a good powder. So just you know, just chug it down and and just get on with your day. <laughs> if you want chocolate, just buy real chocolate at that point. <laughs> uh, what about some of the protein bars? Because I'll see the calorie content in the protein bars. And then, you know, the level of protein that's in there. And then I'll look at a Snickers bar, and the Snickers has the same calorie content and and the same sugar and the same amount of protein. So why should I choke down one of these protein bars that doesn't taste that great when it has the same exact compound as the Snickers bar? As as a consumer, honestly, I mean, I, I, I... I pretty much put them very close in the same category. It's just the addition of that 20, 25 grams of protein will make me eat that protein bar instead of the Snickers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that's, for me, that's really what it is. I'm, I'm not, you know, putting them down or anything. Right. But I remember a lot of companies when, you know, they come to me oftentimes with a brand new product. Like, we need to create an amazing ad campaign around this product. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of them say, uh, you know, we did a lot of focus groups and um, we asked a lot of different consumers which protein do you like you know which protein bar would you buy this one that has amazing you know protein content with low fat no sugar or this one a little bit less protein but tastes amazing and everybody would say I would buy the one that tastes amazing even though there's a little bit of sugar and fat Mm -hmm. so you know it is a business when you're you know when you're putting out a new product and you want it to sell you know you don't want to just make a great product and sit in your warehouse so I think is just as consumers, you know, we look at that still as a snack. You know, if right. you really want a great um, supplement, we'll buy the shake. We'll make it at home. We'll put it in the blender, and we want something super high quality. Um, but you got to take it what it, it is what it is. It, it's a candy bar with a little extra protein, in my opinion. Yeah. And then you hear about, you know, we've been talking about creatine a little bit, and then you hear the variations of you know, stacking the creatine and then, you know, taking it pre-workout and post-workout. Some say just take it pre-workout, some say take it post-workout. Is there really a science behind all of this or is it just marketing to sit there and go, no, stack it, take before and after, so you have to buy more creatine? In my opinion, originally it was a lot of marketing where they forced you to, I didn't force you, they suggested that you uh, did like a loading phase where you had to take it several times. I think the recent studies show that it doesn't really matter when and how you take it. After four or five days of taking creatine, your your muscles will be full of creatine. You just want to maintain it. So that's what I do. I just take maybe, you know, not a huge amount, three to five grams a day. And not even every day, maybe five five days a week, six days a week. Um, and, and I just, I don't, you know, I don't load and unload and all that stuff. It's, you'll go crazy if you listen to every theory out there, and especially on YouTube. It's just right. like, you just throw your hands up in the air, like, oh, forget it. I'm not taking anything. Right. Um, and so I, I dumb it down. And something like creatine, you don't have to cycle off of it, I assume. Uh, from the recent studies, no. I, so for years, they told us that you had to, but um, it doesn't seem like it does. You know, it does turn into creatinine, but it's not harmful to the kidneys. There's never been a report of liver or uh, kidney damage due to creatine. So that was kind of a myth that was dispelled years ago. Um, so now you can, you can take it continuously. Um, you know, as long as I wouldn't go over five grams for anybody. You know, I know some guys take 20, 30 grams a day. I think when, whenever you like go into hyperdoses like that, you, you might be asking for, for a problem. You know, maybe not long-term problems, but 
um, I just wouldn't exaggerate on, on any kind of dosage on any kind of supplement. Okay. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, now there's the pre-workout, which gives everybody jitters, apparently. Um, oh, I love those. Yeah. <laughs> I love my pre-workout. Well, I, I'm Italian. I love espresso. I love cappuccino. Therefore, right. I love anything that has caffeine, right? So right. I'm talking about the best guy to have. Uh, I, I like it. Sometimes, you know, after a couple of cups of coffee, uh, you know, you want something fruity and fresh. And right. If that's a trigger that gets me, you know, away from the editing base into the gym, mm-hmm. hey, I'll, I'll take my scoop of pre-workout, what, whatever flavor happens to, to come my way. Um, so I, I'm all for it. If it, if it. if it has a good effect on you, mm-hmm. uh, take it. If, it. if you're getting jittery, you know that that amount of caffeine stimulant is too much. My personal level is 600 milligrams a day. Wow. So, you know, my pre-workout's usually around 200. So I know that one scoop has 200 milligrams of caffeine. Mm-hmm. Then I have my two espressos and maybe one American coffee. So I'm not always around 500, 600. If I go over, like you said, I get jittery. If I'm up to 700, 800 milligrams, I know that's my tolerance level. Oh. And that, that's, uh, that took me like just a couple of weeks to figure that out. Once you figure out how much caffeine is good for you, and stimulates the brain and how much makes you jittery. Mm-hmm. Just just stick to that. It's a very personal issue. I think. Makes sense. And you said you mm-hmm. you edited the first uh, the first draft on the on the bottles for hydroxycut and a couple of the other fat burners. Oh, a lot of the products that we see on the supermarket shelf. I mm-hmm. I did the very first campaigns. I remember a lot of the new EAS products. The uh, a lot of the Muscle Tech EAS um, hydroxycut products. Um, metrics first came out. Um, you know, I was working for the magazines. There was only maybe 10 of us in the world doing, um, quality magazine photography. So when an av- when, um, well, they didn't have advertising agencies back then. There was just the companies that would call us if they wanted to choose a photographer to launch their new product. They would go to see who shot this cover of Muscle and Fitness or Muscle Mag. So me and other colleagues, we were all doing those first advertising campaigns for all these new products. Uh, and a lot of them became just legacy brands, again, like MuscleTech, mm-hmm. EAS, Metrics. Um, you know, they were small to begin with, but then they, they, they stood the test of time. Right. You know, there was uh, – someone was joking in the documentary about, you know, how people thought that mm-hmm. the ads were, were somewhat cheesy, but they were potent. You know, what was it about Joe Weider, especially in being able to create an just a visual ad in the magazine that's everyone said, I have to have this product? Well, John Balick said it best. Uh, Joe Weider was just selling dreams. He was a creator of dreams and and he wasn't selling supplements. He wasn't selling uh, power twister or equipment. He wasn't even selling the He was just selling that dream that. If you work out, eat healthy, you're going to get the girl. You're going to be on the beach. You're going to be admired. So he really romanticized that whole golden era of what Gold's Gym was in the 70s. So he had all his athletes shoot in Gold's Gym, which was you know around the corner from the beach. So he created this fantastical world, which was, you know, and I was 12 years old when I was first exposed to it. I... I kind of thought it was cheesy too. For you know, in Italy, I thought this is kind of a little too retro. It's kind of cheesy, but kind of fun in the same way. So mm. it, it looked like that bodybuilding was a fun activity, mm. and you know, approaching shakes, like I said in the movie, was just part of that world. Like, this is what these guys do. They they work out, and then they eat, then they take a protein shake, then they pick up girls on the beach, and they go run, they sleep, and they do it all over again. Like I want to do that. Right. <laughs> That's what I want to do. <laughs> you know. 
I mean, I, I was I was bought hook, line, and sinker from from day one. Right. You know, uh, we mentioned the fat burners. Aren't some of these still dangerous? I mean, accelerated heart rate and and things, sure. or there's some that are actually they, legitimate. They can be. Again, if it's a dietary supplement, there they all those compounds that are in that label, the things that we can't read and pronounce. They have to exist in nature. If it doesn't exist in nature, they cannot sell it. Uh, for example, there was the you know huge controversy on uh, on not sure on um, was it fenfen? Oh no, that was no, that was definitely a drug. You know, <laughs> um, there have been compounds that were they were kind of in that gray area, so they made their way into a fat burner, and then the FDA had to, had to pull it. Um, again, the bottom line is. If um, if that compound is in nature already, it's relatively safe to take because it's in the food source. If it's not, well, you have to tell me what it is. If we don't know what it is, it shouldn't be in a vitamin bottle. Period. That's you know, I'm I'm all for for that. Um, again, the the more basic supplements are probably the best ones. And you know, caffeine's a great fat burner. It does increase metabolism. And now we know it's also an antioxidant. It helps um, brain function. Some people are insinuating it helps Alzheimer's. Um, you know, caffeine's usually at the base of all the fat burners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, you see so many of them, and then people talking about getting jitters and people talking about, you know, these weird side effects from right. them that, you know, you have to wonder how legit are they, what, what's scary, what isn't scary, you know, what can right. people well, do. For example, Capsicum, that's a compound that is in red peppers that heats us up, that um, increases our metabolism to a thermogenic effect. Uh, some people can't eat bell peppers, you know, because there's a lot of capsicum in there. So if you can't eat it from a bell pepper, you should probably take it from your supplement. Uh, so, again, it, in, in that case, it's a lot of trial and error. Um, but, you know, the, a fat burner, they shouldn't even be called fat burners like Jerry Brainin mentions. They should be called fat oxidizers. So mm-hmm. even if they do break down the fat cell, if you don't burn that energy, it's going to get redeposited. Mm-hmm. So if you take a fat burner and just sit on the couch, you're not burning fat. You're not getting abs. If you take the fat burner along with the caffeine and everything else, and then you hit the, the treadmill or you go for a run or a workout, you're going to utilize that fat that's in your system as energy. It's not going to be redeposited. So they should be called fat metabolizers. They kind of... To dumb it down, it just breaks down the fat cell, mm-hmm. and then if right then and there you burn that, you utilize that energy and burn that fat, your subcutaneous fat will burn. If you just take it and then be sedentary, it's just going to get redeposited. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it is. So we should call them fat metabolizers. I think he's correct in saying that. Right. So basically. Don't sit there to think that you're going to be able to take a fat burner no. and then uh, no. start sucking down Cheetos. And if someone makes that pill, please give it to me. <laughs> At 55 years old, it's, it's harder and harder to, to stay lean. I mean, I won Mr. Europe in, at 19. Actually, I won Mr. Italy at 17, and I started dieting, and I got ripped too fast where I had to start eating pastries in the morning just to keep on my body weight. But at 55, those days are gone. I, I can't, you know, get ripped eating pastries. I actually have to diet now. So. Wow. Uh, if there's anything that uh, helps actually burn fat without exercise, I'll probably be the first guinea pig to try it. Uh, what about resetting your metabolism? Are there supplements that could help with that? Because, you know, so many people 
have tried various fat burners or or exercises or crash diets. You know, like the Biggest Losers coming back to to television, and I right. know they had a huge controversy with right. virtually starving some of their contestants. You know, right. and it's not natural to lose 120 pounds in eight weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, what about helping someone reset their metabolism and being able to burn the fat that way? You know, we hear a lot about ketosis now and, and right. ketogenics and, and whatnot. There's no supplement that will reset your metabolism, so to speak. It, it, it's always, it, it might give you that 10, 20% extra. It'll give you that little extra edge. You still have to do the the workout. You still have to put in the leg work. You still have to sweat. Um, you know, I, I'm, I didn't make this documentary to say, you know, that supplements are a magic pill and that's all you have to do. Um, even without exercise, you can take all the protein you want. You can take all the anabolic steroids you want. It's not going to build, you know, a Mr. Universe physique. That's just the way it is. Otherwise, the be Mr. Universe is walking around all over the place. Right. You still have to work out. You still have to burn that fat. And it's just a matter of being more active. That's what it comes down to. Just, you know, better quality food, better quality supplements, and exercise, no matter what it is, whether it's walking your dog or powerlifting. It doesn't, you know, you need to actually move the body that we have because just our life is just so sedentary now, especially in the digital age. We're always in front of the screen, right? Yeah. So we need to just put that down and get, you know, even just two little workouts. It could be like 15 minutes of walking in the morning and then a half hour of weights at night. You don't have to be a gym rat. You don't have to be there, you know, constantly and lifting tremendous poundages. We, something needs to shift because, God, America is the fattest country in the world. And it's just such a shame because I absolutely love America for everything it stands. So to hear that these kids, and I, I see it. I live in California. I see half the kids at school, and they're borderline obese. I mean, my kids are like the only skinny kids. They're like very few skinny kids, and this is California. Right. I mean, this is it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, you know, again, like you said, real food. These guys are eating real food from, from supermarkets. Right. But what we think is a real food is a healthy cereal that is not that healthy. It's just full of sugar. It's refined carbohydrates. Yeah. And the apples, even if you do eat the apple, how much nutrition is in that apple or banana? Right. So, uh, yeah, you know, as a father of three, I could go on and on about that subject. Of course. I'm just surprised that, you know, because everyone's so worried about how do I reset my metabolism? How do I get off the couch? Mm. You know, what do I really need? And you're just basically saying you need 45 minutes of exercise a day that's slightly strenuous and just move and eat better. And that will reset your metabolism. There's no like, you know, you don't need 15 vitamin B12 shots a week or anything like that. No. Um, I'm a big proponent of intermittent fasting. And, Mm. you know, again, I've I've been around for so long, but um, this intermittent fasting, just when I first read about it, it just made complete sense. Mm -hmm. And I just started eliminating breakfast and I eliminated lunch. And now all I eat is uh, is post-workout. So I train around 2 or 3 o'clock. Uh-huh. And I eat from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. And um, that's the time that you can even cheat a little. If there's a little extra pizza, I can have it because I've been 20 hours with really low insulin, mm-hmm. um, just no calories, just vitamins and water. So if I want to cheat, hey, I'll have that, but it's going to be in that period of time. It's going to be post-workout. So hopefully it will go more towards the muscle tissue mm-hmm. than the adipose fat. So the intermittent fasting really changed my life and you know I, I don't have anything to sell or I'm not asking right. anybody to do it I'm just telling you for me 
that made a huge difference. And I'm sharp in the morning. I do all my editing, and even yeah. even if I'm on the set, I, I mean, I have I have a lot of caffeine. Mm. <laughs> I have my pre-workout. I have my cappuccinos with almond milk, mm. uh, but I don't eat till five or six o'clock, and I have energy up to that point. Mm-hmm. Then when you eat the food, you really appreciate it. It's like okay, now the warrior is back. He's in the cave. He's back from the hunt. Mm-hmm. It's time to eat. So I, my body and my mind just switch. Is I it just be- really sit down and enjoy my food, and I love it. You know, and at that point, anything tastes really good after twenty hours of not eating. Right. Right. Is it because we eat too much? You know, we've been yeah. indoctrinated into this three meals a day or six small Absolutely. meals a day. And- Absolutely. I, I, I don't know exactly how this came about. Uh, I'm going to start researching it. But, um, yeah, the three meals a day, I, I think it just it was born in the industrial age more than anything else. Because it uh, seems almost think, Pavlovian. No, absolutely. It's, you know, and plus, you know, the marking where, you know, breakfast is the most important meal. Of, why is it the most important meal of the day? Mm-hmm. You know, what what is it about waking up and absolutely having to have, you know, a sugary cereal that is healthy for us? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think we eat, you know, too much. And you look at any, almost any kind of animal, they, I don't want to say that they, they eat at certain times, but they eat until they're through, until they're full and they eat when necessary. Right. Uh, we just have so much access to food constantly that we're constantly in the presence of food or a signal that says you need to eat or look how tasty this is. Mm-hmm. And again, it is Pavlovian, like you said. It just it, it it's a trigger that says, "Oh, it's time for my snack. Oh, mm-hmm. I I could go for another meal right now, you know." And then I don't think that's natural at all. Yeah. You know? I mean, because I would go back to school and you know elementary school, and they sat there. It's like eleven thirty or twelve o'clock, whenever you know your lunch schedule was. Boom! Bell rings. You go get in line. You go get your food. You go to recess. Bell rings. You go back to class. Bell rings. You go home. Oh my god! I know. Then God, you just. Painted this picture in my mind, and it just seems so absurd. Correct? Like, yeah. This is the time you have to eat because the bell went off. Really? Yeah. We all have to eat. There's forty of us in this class. We all have to eat right now at this time, regardless right. of what we did today or the day before. Right. Uh, and yeah, you know, this one was playing tag. This one was playing soccer. That one was playing dodgeball. That one just sat there and read a book. So, you know, <laughs> exactly. who who's exactly. really hungry? Who really isn't? Depending on yeah. Oh, but it's eleven o'clock. You have to have your snack. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So- uh, yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's hard. It's something that, you know, we're not going to solve in the next year or two. Um, hopefully with time, we'll just have, again, we'll have more knowledge on how our body actually works mm-hmm. and uh, what do we need to do just to, you know, live longer and just have a better quality of life. It's not just living longer. It's, you know, I want to be happy and healthy. I don't want to be 90 years old and, you know, not be able to, to walk or full of aches and pains. You right. know, I want to have a certain quality of life. Uh, that, that's my ideal right now. Oh, believe me, if I had half a brain, I would have stuck with swimming instead of wrestling and judo because my joints no. would have been a lot stronger. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Does wrestling hurt your joints a lot? Oh, yeah. You know, because, I mean, you know, there's your weight, there's your opponent's weight, there's angles, right. there's twisting, there's popping, there's, you know, you want to move left, he's holding your leg, you're definitely not going to move left unless you force it, so. Oh, I never thought of that. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that must be a major stress going yeah. completely against the range of motion of your arm. Yeah. yeah. After a while, that, that's why you're not going to be very good. Yeah, no. I wanted to ask you one one bodybuilding question before I let you go. And, you know, we know that Sups the, the movie is uh, out now on uh, Amazon Prime and can be watched anywhere, thankfully. Um, we've started hearing again 
the rumblings of lighter weight and and high repetitions versus heavyweight and low repetitions. But it seems Mm -hmm. that the research is now showing that there's not very much difference based on muscle growth. It's just different muscle fibers are being worked. So what is better in the long run? Uh, You know what? They actually both work. I know it's not a very macho thing to say that if you lift lightweight and and get a pump and do high repetitions, it's almost exactly the same as as a shorter, um, high-intensity exercise. But uh, I've known that since the 70s because every now and then, Serge Nubray, who was a huge proponent of training light, and training without any rest. I mean, his sessions were like two hours long. He would train chest for an hour straight. We're talking 20, 30 sets of bench press with like 30, 50 seconds in between sets. I mean, it was it was like a cardio workout. And I couldn't understand, like, how is this guy so massive and ripped? Because I saw from the magazines, well, you have to lift heavy and, you know, as as much as possible for six reps, eight reps, and that's the only way to build muscle. And looking at this guy, he was already 40. He's super lean. He has the huge, his chest was as big as Arnold, if not bigger. So he said, you know, you can get to that point of hypertrophy in, in both ways. And, and it depends what you like. It depends on your personality. It depends on your body structure and, and your bone structure. He had very small, I'm sorry, he had very small bones. So for him to lift weight, uh, heavyweight, he was just asking for for trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had that, he he was built like a pigeon. His bones were tiny, uh, um, so he found that using lightweight continuously, just really stressing the muscle, just kiss, killing the muscle mm-hmm. in the thirty, forty, fifty minutes um, uh, of of what we call low intensity, but you know it's an accumulation of stress. Mm-hmm. So at the end of that chest workout, his chest was destroyed, just as if he did super heavyweight. So uh, to answer your question, you can get there in both ways. Just find what is more adapted to you. And would it help with your stamina to go lightweight, heavier reps? Uh, I, I would probably think so because every time him and all his athletes that came from France and though in that era, the 70s and 80s, they all look like him. They're all super ripped and they all train like that. So the endurance these guys were building with weights, which was really astonishing because we thought, you know, heavyweights is anaerobic. It, uh, it can increase your stamina. It's impossible. But the way these guys are using weights, they're what we call is pumping. They're pumping and pumping, just rep after rep after rep, very little weight, just huffing and puffing. It was like cardio with weight, and they were all massive. I, I, I promise you they were all, even these unknown bodybuilders, like, where did this guy come from? He, he's huge and rich, and he trains with light weight. Right. So at an early age, I realized, okay, there are two ways to get the muscle builder bigger. Uh, you can train with light weights, uh, low intensity, but just a lot of volume, or you can just reduce the volume and do heavier weight. And, you know, just try what works for you. Right. Alex, thank you so much for your time. The Subs movie is out now on Amazon Prime. Uh, I believe it's the subsmovie.com. Uh, yes, subsmovie.com. There's links to Vimeo on demand. So you can watch it on your phone or any web browser anywhere in the world. If you're in North America or the UK, you can go on Amazon Video. Um, all you need is an Amazon account. You don't have to have a subscription to Prime. You can just uh, you can punch in subs and it comes up right away. Oh, beautiful. Alex, where can yeah. we find you and the documentary on social media? Uh, everything's Alex Ardenti. AlexArdenti.com, Alex Ardenti on Instagram, Facebook, everywhere else. Perfect. Alex Ardenti, thank you so much for your time. Are we going to see you at Legion Sports Fest uh, in the next week or so? 
I do a photo shoot in the morning for a company, but I'm going to try to wrap up early and pop down there for sure. All right. Well, uh, hopefully I'll see you in Long Beach in, in about a week or so. And congratulations yeah, on the documentary. Oh, the pleasure is mine. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, Alex. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks.